We've been in a series entitled Mastermind, learning about this truth and this understanding. That if I could change the way I think, if I could change my thoughts, if I could change my mind, I could change my life. Everything in my life begins with the thoughts I think. If I could figure out how to master my mind, if I could figure out how to get control, I, I could start the business, repair my marriage, lose the weight, get healthy, finish my degree, overcome the addiction, accomplish the dream, fulfill my purpose. I could get where God has called me to in my life if I could just change the way I think. The thoughts I think are what got me to where I am. For some in this room, you're disappointed in where you are. For others, you're very pleased with where you are. But wherever you are, you are here in great degree because of the thoughts that you've been thinking. But if you could think higher thoughts, if you could think in higher ways according to the Word of God, He could take you where He wants you to go. Last week, we talked about four ways to reframe your life. And I, and I won't re-preach the whole sermon. Uh, I want to encourage you to jump on the app and listen to all, uh, this is part five, so there's four weeks. Listen to all four. If you don't have the app, Triumph Church TX. They have it on the App Store. They have it on the uh, Google Village. What do they call the place? Google Play. Whatever it is, they have it over there. Um, they dumbed it down for all the Android users, but it still functions. Uh, we, <laughs> uh, we also have uh, uh, notes you can follow along, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, that way you can take them home and get these truths in your life. Um, but four ways we learned to reframe our life yesterday. Number one, we've got to keep our flaws in perspective. You're not as bad as you're trying to convince yourself you are. Your problems, your flaws, your mistakes are not as big as the devil is trying to convince you that they are. Keep your flaws in perspective. Number two, enjoy the process. God's working with all of us. And here's what I've decided in my life. I want God to work on me forever. I, I was listening to um, some doctors on TV. One, it was Dr. Oz, and he, he, had a, he had a guest on, and he was, he was a brain doctor. And he was talking about how the moment you stop learning, your brain starts dying. So he was encouraging people to read, study, learn, expand your mind, expand your thinking. Now here's, here is guy, a guy that's not a saved man, not a Christian man, but the, but the science of the brain is when you stop learning, your brain starts dying. I don't want my brain to start dying yet. I want to learn all the days of my life. And when God is done working with me, when he's done molding me, he can just take me right on to heaven. I'll be ready. But I want God to work with me, and I'm going to enjoy the process. I'm not going to be upset with God when he's got me on the potter's wheel and he's molding me. Enjoy the process. Number three, continually put in positive thoughts. You remember we did the illustration last week with the Coke and the water? And we get so focused on trying to deal with the negative. But the, the principle is if we can just put in the positive, just keep pouring in positive thoughts into our mind. Pouring in positive thoughts, what we'll do is we'll actually displace the negative thoughts, and our mind will be filled with positivity. Number four is we got to practice pre-framing. Wake up in the morning and declare that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. 
doesn't matter if good things come or bad things come. This is the day that the Lord has made. We're going to frame to find the good things in life long before the struggle comes. How many of you know struggles are coming in your life? Of course they are. So I want to frame it that God is in control of my life long before the bad things come. Because if I don't, the negativity in my life will end up being my focus. I have to choose to frame God and what He's doing. Amen? So, today I want, I want to continue, but, but let's make a, a small shift in topic because, you know, some of you in this room, maybe, maybe like me, I've been working, and I, my, my kids and I and my wife have really been working on this, trying to change our thinking on some things. Uh, both of my kids are athletes, and, and they're also perfectionists when it comes to their athleticism, their sports, which is a great thing. I, I believe it's going to be part of what makes them um, outstanding athletes and able to accomplish everything that God has for them in their life. But they're also perfectionists, which means that when they miss the mark by just a little, they take it so hard. Uh, and so, like, for my son, um, my son is either the greatest ever baseball player, like the greatest ever. We're, we're, he was pitching in the, in the World Series this, this summer. He had a great day. He, he really did have a great day. Um, he gave he gave up no runs in four innings or whatever he pitched. He struck out uh, six or seven, whatever it was. He had a great day. It's like three days later, we're driving in the car. He's like, "Man, my my curveball was filthy, Dad." Yeah, it was it was pretty good, son. I'm Dad. I'm just telling you, they weren't touching my curveball. <laughs> He's like, "I was just, I was I was I was on, and I couldn't be touched this week." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, son, you you did pretty good." He, he ignored the seven walks that he had and just focused on the positive. But here's the thing. When he goes out one time, he plunks one kid, and all of a sudden he comes off, and he's like, Dad, I'm horrible today. No, son, you're not that bad. You hit one kid. <laughs> I didn't come out exactly like a minute or two. I, I think baseball terms with me. I, 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 you, know, you plunked one kid. Okay, it's not the end of the world, but with, with my son, it's like I'm the greatest ever. No one can touch me, or, or he'll come off. I'm horrible. I'm just going to be a hitter, Dad, because I can't pitch. Son, you, you just faced the number three team in the country, and you gave up two runs in three innings. That's, that's not too shabby. I know, Dad. I was horrible. I'm quitting pitching. No, you're not. So we're trying to understand how to get control of our thoughts. We're working on this. It takes time. It's taking a lot of patience from me. I'm working on my own thoughts while they're working on theirs. And these, these are thoughts of patience and perseverance. But we're working on these things, and, it, and it's happening in our life. But here's, here's the problem. And maybe you're there. Maybe you've been trying to put the. I hope you are. I hope, I hope you've been trying to put these principles into play in your life, gaining understanding uh, of changing our thinking. And, 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 but the way it happens is things go well, until they don't go well. The principles work until something happens. And this little thing starts slipping in called our emotions. Our thoughts were good until we got sad. Our thoughts were great and then we got angry. Our thoughts were good and then we lost hope for some reason. And it's the quickest way to give up on the principle that God is working in your life when emotions slip in. Here's what I know. If I don't control what I think, I'll never control what I do. 
But if I cannot control my emotions, I cannot change my thinking. Because my emotions, I, I can have all the, all the right things in my mind. And, and I know I'm just preaching to myself today, so y'all just bear with me for a minute. Some of you are staring at me like I'm in total control of my emotions, Pastor Randon. I don't have this problem at all. That's fine. Maybe your spouse does. You just pray for them while we're preaching today. But if I cannot control my emotions, what happens is it's not that I don't think the right thoughts. It's that my emotions get me distracted from thinking those thoughts, and I start thinking other things without even realizing it. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Patience is better than power, and controlling one's emotions than conquer, uh, capturing a city. Here's what, here's, what the, here's what the writer said. It is better to have patience than power. Well, that flies in the face of a lot of conventional wisdom right there. But then he goes on and he said, it's better to control your own emotions than it is to capture a city. Now, I don't know how hard it is to capture a city. I've never tried. But I know how hard it is to control my own emotions. Look, it's not hard when everything's going well. It's when things don't go your way. Can you control your emotions now? Because if you can't control your emotions, you'll never control your thinking. And so the writer says, look, we, we've got to get control of our own emotions. My emotions end up setting up thoughts against the knowledge of God in my life. And not only do my thoughts have to be taken into captivity, but my emotions have to be taken into a captivity. Are you all out there this morning? Okay, when you get quiet, I never know if you're bored or if you're totally into what I'm saying. I'm going to assume it's the latter. So, so these emotions step in. I continue to get my thoughts derailed. Here, here's, here's what uh, the New Living Translation said. It's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Self-control. Do you have self-control? Not just, not just discipline in your life. Discipline to um, read your Bible or discipline to say your prayers every morning or discipline to eat the right things and not the wrong things. I'm saying, do you have self-control, control over your own emotions? Here's another verse for you, Proverbs 25 and 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Similar reference here. Let's get the picture. In those days... Uh, there were lots of armies, raiders, uh, thieves, uh, rogue um, nation groups that would come and attack villages. They, they didn't have cell phones and the internet to call uh, the, the police or to call the army or call the president. No, you were on your own. And you're out in the middle of nowhere. There's just a city there. And you are on your own. If someone attacks you, you are on your own. So what they would do is they would build walls. You remember the story of Jericho, right? When the Bible says how big the walls were, how thick the walls were, and the, and the city of Jericho was tightly shut up. That's because of these walls that they had built to protect from the enemy coming in. And if you didn't have these walls, the enemy could invade you. Often in the middle of the night could just invade and take you out before you had a chance to grab your sword. The, 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 the city would have already fallen. And so here's what the psalmist said, or here's what the, the writer of Proverbs said. He said, having no self-control 
is like not having those walls. And the enemy just slips in, and he just gets into your heart, and he gets into your mind. And before you even know you're under attack, you've already been defeated. Before you even realize what's going on, you're angry, you're upset, you're hurt, you're mad, you're broken, you're hopeless, you're depressed, and the enemy has already won. Remember early on in this series, we talked about the principle that the devil cannot physically harm you himself. So what he does is he drops thoughts, he drops emotions, and he convinces you to do it to yourself. When when we're not in control of our emotions, it's like lowering the wall. And the enemy can come in and we will end up destroying our own lives. Let me ask you this question. How many things have you done? How many decisions you've made? Or how many words have you spoken that you spoke them out of emotion? Later on, you regretted them, but in the moment you spoke them and they ended up causing harm. You're married. How many fights have you had? And in the emotion of the moment, you did so much damage that it took months to repair your relationship, all because your self-control dropped, your emotions got in, and you spoke something or did something you knew you never should have done. This is the principle of what God's Word is teaching us. But when we can control our emotions and our thoughts, We can stop the attack of the enemy before it happens. Have you ever thought that maybe the drama that keeps following you is because you have your walls down? It is easier to win an outward battle than it is an inward battle. These two verses, they show us clearly it it is easier to win an outward battle than an inward battle. It is easier to control what's going on the outside of us than it is to control the emotions that are going on in our heart and the thoughts that are going on in our mind. It's a serious, it's a serious uh, thing that we have to work on. It's harder, but it's also more important. Here's what Jesus said. It's not what, what, um, it's not what your body does that defiles you. You are defiled from what comes from your heart. what comes out of your heart will mess up your life quicker than what your body does. That's what Jesus said. It's about what's going on inside. What is in your heart? we got to rebuild the walls, the walls of self-control. It matters what is happening in your heart. It matters what you feel. Here's another verse from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He said, guard your heart above all else. Above, Above everything else in your life, guard your heart. Why? For it determines the course of your life. Where you're going is determined by what's in your heart. What you do in your life starts by what's going on in your heart. The actions you have, the the decisions you make, the thoughts you think, it starts with your heart. So he said, guard your heart. I love the NIV. It says, everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart above all else because everything you do flows out from there. Consider how many things in your life are not where you want them to be or not going the way you want them to go. It starts in your heart. Everything in your life is impacted by your emotions and your thoughts. 
could keep you from your destiny, your purpose, your ministry. It could keep you from joining a small group or starting the small group. It could keep you from jumping in on growth track and becoming a member. It could keep you from starting the business or taking the risk or defeating the addiction or finishing your degree. But it starts in your heart. Guard your heart. But if you could control your emotions, you could live a life full of love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and self-control and courage and hope. But here's the thing, many people are not emotionally strong, and thus they don't cope well with life's difficulties. We're just not emotionally strong. We're just, we're just weak in the area of our emotions. Our emotional capacity is too low. So something I've been studying on here recently is, is our emotional capacity, how much we can handle. Emotional capacity is the ability to handle adversity, failure, criticism, change, and pressure in a positive way. I'll say that for you uh, again, John Maxwell. He said emotional capacity is the ability to handle adversity, failure, criticism, change, and pressure in a positive way. How is your emotional capacity? Does everything bad that happens in your life get you down? Does it control your emotions? Stresses and emotional pressures take a lot out of people. We give up, we break down, or we do unhealthy things to try to escape the pressure. What are you doing to try to escape the pressure? On the flip side, emotionally strong people are able to manage their emotions and process through their difficulties. This allows them to increase their capacity and moves them closer to reaching their full potential. Are you emotionally weak or are you emotionally strong? Can you grow despite the pressure and the stress? Here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you four traits of emotionally strong people. Because what I would guess is there are a number of people in this room that know you're emotionally strong. And there's another group of people in this room that know you're emotionally weak. And then there's a group of people that you're not sure. But here's what I'm convinced. All of us can grow in our emotional capacity. You want to grow today? Four things really quickly. Number one, emotionally strong people, they don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. I got an amen over here. This section didn't do so well. Emotionally strong people don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. I don't have time to feel sorry for myself. I, I'm not going to waste time. Here, we've been studying uh, from the book of Philippians a lot in this series, in the Apostle Paul. He's in jail. He's in prison. He didn't do anything. And yet he's been thrown in jail and in prison. He's awaiting trial, facing execution. And here's what he says. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, watch this, forgetting what is behind. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to wallow in it. I, I'm not going to waste time talking about it. No, I don't deserve to be in prison. No, I didn't do this. I've been shipwrecked. I, I've been stoned. And now I'm in prison. But forgetting what, is, I'm not, what does it mean to forget about it? I'm not even going to think about it anymore. Without thinking about that, forgetting about that, without wasting my time on that, and straining toward what is head, ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which, Christ, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So here's what he said. I, I don't have time to waste in my life. 
thinking about what happened to me. God has called me to a prize. He's called me to a reward. He has called me to a race. And I'm going to keep my emotional energy focused on where I'm going, not the negative things that happened to me. I've made a decision in my life, and, and maybe you feel the same way, but I refuse to be a victim of my own feelings. I refuse to be a victim of my own feelings and allow, allow my feelings to control me. Yes, it happened. No, it wasn't right. Yes, it hurt, but I'm not going to stay there because I can't change it. I'm going to move forward and allow God to heal me and strengthen me as I continue my race. I will not be held bondage by the way I feel. I refuse to be a victim of my own feelings. They will not control me. I'm not going to say, emotionally strong people never say the words, that's just how I feel, I can't help that. Yes, you can. You can change how you feel. You can control your own emotions. You can control your own feelings. Emotionally strong people never buy into the lie, that's just how I feel, I can't help it. Have you ever said those words? One psychologist said that motions are the precursors of emotions. Motions. So, so when we are caught up in emotions and we feel them starting to take control, we start to do things that will change our emotions. We put motions in effect that change our emotions. Ogmandino said it like this. If I feel depressed, I will sing. If I feel sad, I will laugh. If I feel ill, I will double my labor. If I feel fear, I will plunge ahead. If I feel inferior, I will wear new garments. If I feel uncertain, I will raise my voice. If I feel poverty, I will think of wealth to come. If I feel incompetent, I will remember past success. If I feel significant, I will remember my goals today. I will be a master of my emotions. You can be a master of your own emotions. Sometimes we just have to change what we're doing. You know, the longer you feel sorry for yourself, the longer you will stay in the pit that you're in. Start climbing out. You may not deserve to be there. You may not have put yourself there, Joseph, but start climbing out. Don't feel sorry for yourself. We either do something to change our emotions or we continue to be mastered by them. There's a story of a lady. She was talking to her friend. She'd had a really tough time. And they were eating dinner one night and she said, the whole world hates me. The whole world is against me. And her friend looked back at her and said, that's not true. Most of the world doesn't even know you yet. We can get so caught up because people who feel sorry for themselves negatively exaggerate their entire situation. People, people who are feeling sorry for themselves, oh, poor pitiful me, I know it was bad. I'm not telling you it wasn't bad what you went through, but what we do is once emotions start taking over, now we're going to negatively exaggerate the entire situation. It was all horrible, Randy. You, you hit one batter, and now you're terrible. You should never pitch again. This is what we do in life. You can't complain and get ahead at the same time. You can't complain about where you are. You can't be upset about where you are. You can't feel sorry for yourself. Stay stuck in the pit and get out. You've got to change your own emotions. You cannot, if you're a leader in this room, you can't moan and lead. You can't whine and lead. 
You can't complain and lead. I read this the other day. I thought I'd share it with you. It's very simple, and it, and, it, and it really brought some things to light in my life. It said this, many of life's annoyances and hurts just have to be ignored. There are things that are going to happen to you, they are going to hurt, and you just have to ignore them. You've got to play through the pain. We've got to learn which pain in our lives deserves our attention. Not every pain you have should you stop your whole life and just focus on it. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Some pains just have to be ignored. Here's what Proverbs says, Proverbs 19 and 11. Sensible people. Any sensible people in the room? It's about what I thought. About 30%. (laughs) Sensible people control their temper. Take out the word temper there and understand in in the book of Proverbs, he's often, often talking about all of your emotions. He uses temper as a principle for all of your emotions, okay? Sensible people control not just their temper, but all of their emotions. They earn respect, watch this, by overlooking wrongs. Yes, you did me wrong. Yes, it hurt. But I am choosing to overlook it. I want you to consider... That's, first of all, the sensible thing to do. Why? Because I'm not going to let what you did control me. I'm not going to let your words control me. I'm not going to let your actions control me. I am in control of my own feelings. I am in control of my own emotions. I am in control of my own thoughts. And I'm not giving you control. That's the sensible thing to do. And then along with it, I'm just going to choose to overlook. If you don't have respect in your life, Start overlooking wrongs. Look, they earn respect. You feel like you're disrespected a lot in your life? You feel like you can't get respect at work? Well, what do we do? When we feel disrespected, we often try to stand up and make a scene. But here is what the wisest man on the planet said. If you'll actually overlook the wrong, you'll start to earn respect. doesn't happen overnight but you'll start to earn respect. You're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to treat me that way. You're not going to do that with me. Or, you know what? I don't feel like that was the right thing, but I'm going to move on. It's not going to control me. It's not going to upset me. It's not going to control my life. I'm overlooking it. I'm choosing to focus on different pains. You know, I have some pains in my life that they're demanding my focus. They are demanding my attention. This week, I spent a significant portion of my week helping a family. They need my help. They're hurting. I'm focusing on that pain. I can't focus on every little thing that's been done wrong to me. I can't focus on every little thing that hurt my feelings. I wish I was preaching good this morning and I could get an amen. What... What hurts and annoyances and problems do you just need to forget about and move on? It's just time to move on. It's just time to let it go. That was 17 years ago. Let it be. 
You know what I mean? Like, that was months ago. Everyone else has moved on, and you still remember it like it was yesterday. Let it go. Let it go. Stop letting other people control you. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Number two, emotionally strong people do not allow others to control their relationships. See, when you start feeling sorry for yourself or what people did to you, you're letting them stay in control. Don't let other people be in control of your relationship. Elmer Towns said the weaker person usually controls the relationship. Because strong people can adjust and weak people can't. So even strong people start just flowing, going with the flow of what the weak people around them are doing. Dysfunctional people want others to function at their level. Hurting people want you to hurt too. Angry people want you to be angry also. I'm not going to let you control my emotions. I'm not going to let you control our relationship. I love every one of you, but I'm in control of me. You can be you and I'm going to be me, but you're not going to control my emotions. I'll pray for you. I'll help you. I give you everything I have. One of the, one of the traps of ministry, one of the really hard things of ministry. And, and, and uh, when, when Lindsay and I were early in, in uh, was, when we came to this, this campus in Beaumont, uh, we, didn't, we didn't have a, a, t- a ton of help in some areas, so we started having to do a lot of uh, marital counseling, which is fine. But you know what I found very often is that we would go and we would do a counseling session, and we would leave, and we would start fighting about whatever that couple was fighting about. Am I telling the truth? And finally, I, I, we looked at each other one day and said, what are we doing? This wasn't even our problem. What had happened? We had taken on other people's stuff and we had let them control our relationship. We, we, stopped, we stopped that. One of the things I started doing was, you want to come meet with me? You get one hour, that's it. When the clock goes off, that's it. Why? Because at a certain point, I can't get out from under your problems. And you start controlling me. And I can't have that. Because if I let you control me, and this is anyone, if you let other people control me, you can't help people. You tracking with me? If you let your kids, who, are t- or who should be probably more emotionally weak than you are, if you let them control you all the time, you can't help them grow. Maybe you need to find a small group with people that are going in your direction, that together you can lift each other up rather than being around people that are always pulling you down. Emotionally strong people honor their relationships while at the same time guarding against letting others control control them. The difficult people in your life, don't let them control you. You may not can X them out. You might need to X them out, but you may not can, but you don't have to let them control you. Number three. Emotionally strong people do not waste energy on things they cannot control. Some things you can control, some things you can't. Recognizing the difference and then responding to them accordingly is a mark of emotional strength. Some things are facts of life and some things are problems. A fact of life is something that you cannot control and you cannot fix. 
most of you know that, that Pastor Lindsay and I are moving to Houston. So I drive, I'm driving to Houston all the time. Seems like I'm in Houston three or four days a week right now. We're always there. And here's the, here's the fact of life. If I make a decision to, to drive through downtown on 59 South at five or to between 5 and 6 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to be in a parking lot. I can sit there and be angry and honk my horn and throw up my hands at people, tell them they're number one. I can do all of that. But that traffic is not a problem. That traffic is a fact of life. Are you tracking with me? Now, there are problems in my life. You see, a problem is something that I can fix. A problem is something that I can do. I have something I can do about it. But a, but a fact of life, I can't change it. It just, it, it just is what it is. I can choose not to drive down 59, but there are times when I have no choice. I have to go right through the heart of downtown at that time. I cannot be angry at the traffic. It's just a fact of life. How many traffics are in your life, facts of life? Are you spending so much emotional energy you're frustrated on, you're wasting your energy on things you cannot control instead of expending your energy on things you can control? There are changes you could make. There are things you could do. There are problems you could solve. Jesus said it like this, Matthew chapter 6, th verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today has trouble enough. Look, look, here's what he's saying. There are things coming in your future that you can't control. Focus on the problems you can con control. Focus on the things that you can do. Don't worry about the stuff that's outside of your control. Don't worry about it. All right, one of our elders here and a longtime uh, friend, uh, Herman Fano, uh, I as I was thinking on this and I was praying on this, I always thought about how many conversations, and he's taught me this principle in life. Uh, Mary will be stressed out and she'll be worried. And she'll be, I know, Pastor, I'm just worried about this. And Herman just sitting there all calm, not even phased. I'm just so worried. He said, Pastor, I'm not worried about it. There is nothing I can do to change it, so I'm not going to stress about it. You know what? That's taught me something in my life. There are things that are not worth my energy because I can't change them. I would be better off expending my energy in things on things I can change. Are you wasting your energy on facts of life rather than spending them on things you can control? Things I can control, I can control my attitude. I can control how I spend my time. I can control my priorities. I can control my values. I can control my potential, and I can control my thoughts. There are things that I can control, and I want to spend my time there. Number four, number four. Are you writing these down? Number four, emotionally strong people, they just don't keep making the same mistakes. Let's, let's go to Scripture here to prove this grossest verse in all of the Bible, I think. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I don't know what Solomon was doing when he came up with this thought. This is gross. And yet, he chose one of the grossest visual pictures to illustrate what it means when we keep repeating the same mistake. 
Is there someone in your life that they just keep repeating the same mistake? And you look at them, you just shake your head. You are such a fool. Just keep on doing it over and over. I know that's none of y'all, but I'm talking about people in your life. And you just keep on. And, and they just keep repeating it. And they want to cry and moan to you while they're here. And now the whole world and nothing ever works out. Well, it might be because you keep trying the same thing over and over and over again. And you're never doing anything different. Here's what, here's what the writer said. He said, you're a fool. And you're like a dog returning to his vomit. A dog returning to his vomit makes no sense to you and I. Neither does a person continually repeating the same mistake over and over and over again. But we keep doing it, hoping for a different result. we got to learn from our mistakes. You see, mistakes are not the problem. Repeated mistakes are. Mistakes are not your issue. We're all going to make mistakes. In fact, mistakes and failure are necessary to growth. You will never realize your full potential if you don't push yourself to the point of failure. But repeated mistakes, that's where we get ourselves in trouble. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We spend so much time blaming our mistakes on other people. I was doing good, but they did this, and then they stepped in there and did that, and then my husband did this, and my wife did that. Look at you. Look at me. What, can, what did I do to contribute to the problem, and what could I do to contribute to the solution? Change the way you view the mistakes in your life. I'm not trying to avoid mistakes. I don't mind making mistakes so long as we learn from them. My staff will tell you, we make a mistake one time, I'm good. We keep making the same mistake, staff meeting's not going to be fun this week. Because I don't like repeated mistakes. I want to learn from our mistakes. As long as we're learning, I'm good when we mess up. I want to I learn and I want to grow. Then what do we do? We have no self-awareness. We don't realize the mistakes we're all making or we don't, we're not honest with ourselves. And then we use Romans 8.28 as a cover for all of our mistakes. I know that God is causing everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. God's working all of this together. How about we stop making mistakes, the same mistake over and over and over again, and God has to, he, he don't have to waste his time fixing what we messed up yet again. What if the good is you learning to stop hurting yourself and the people around you, and then begging God for help and healing. Emotionally strong people understand, they appreciate, and they grow through their struggles. Are you growing through your struggles? Are you still here? You see, what Romans 8.28 actually does, it's not just a cover for every time I mess up, but it gives purpose to my mistakes. It gives purpose to my struggles. It gives purpose to the things that happen for me. And that's what I want in my life. I'll go through anything so long as you're doing something in me, God, and you help me grow from it. Failure is essential. Strong people see change in problems as opportunities. One more verse uh, from, from the book of Proverbs. He who is slow to wrath... He who is slow to anger... He who is slow to let his emotions take control... Has great understanding... If you'll stop being so emotional about everything, you'll learn some things. But if we get so caught up in just reacting through our emotions, we can't learn anything. We can't gain any understanding. He who is impulsive exalts folly. 
We keep repeating them the same mistake because we just react. We have an impulsive, out of control reaction. and We don't learn anything, so we just keep repeating. We keep repeating. We are exalting folly. We are exalting stupidity. We are exalting foolishness in our lives. But if we could if we could get control of our emotions, if we could get control of our anger, if we could get control of our hurt, if we could get control of our frustration, if we could get control of our depression, if we could get control of our hopelessness, if we could get control of our sadness, if we could get control of it, we could actually learn something. I, there are some areas in my life, as I've been studying through this, and I'm saying, God, I've been reacting emotionally. I've been impulsive. Help me to con control my emotions that I can gain some understanding in my life. Are there areas in your life that you need to gain understanding? Control your emotions. Put the walls back up so the enemy can't get in. Number one, emotionally strong people do not waste time feeling sorry for themselves. Number two, emotionally strong people do not waste energy on things they cannot control. Number three, emotionally strong people understand, appreciate, and grow through their struggles. Number four, emotionally strong people don't keep making the same mistakes. I want to close with this, I, I, convincing you hopefully today that all of us can increase our emotional capacity. And if we could get control of our emotions, our emotions could stop distracting our thoughts, derailing our thoughts, and then we could change our lives. But the truth is there are some of us here today, and as, and as I was praying, there are some of us that are emotionally hurt and wounded and in need of healing. God led me to two verses in the book of Jeremiah. First, he said, Oh Lord, if you heal me, I will truly be healed. And if you save me, I will be truly saved. And I just heard God speak to me as I was praying that there are people that have, you've tried it your way. You've tried to fix yourself. You've tried to do it yourself and it's never took you were hurting, you tried to fix yourself and you ended up hurting again. But he said, if you'll let me heal you today, you'll truly be healed. I believe that in the next few minutes, I'm gonna pray for you and God's going to heal some deep wounds that have been there a long time. I jokingly said a few moments ago, it's been 17 years, let it go. It's been two months, let it go. I, I say those things jokingly, but in truth, it's very hard sometimes when you're deeply wounded. God's going to heal you today. He goes on in chapter 33. The time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give prosperity and true peace. The time has come today. Things that were done to you get healed today. And when the Lord heals you, you're healed for good. You see, there is a difference between a scar and a scab. A scar says you're healed. You had a wound, but you've been healed. 
it's not hurting any longer. A scab says you've been hurt and you're still in the, still in the process of healing. Can I tell you that there are some of us in this room today that are still viewing our scars like they're scabs? But today you're healed. It's done. It's done. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for every person in this room and every person watching online. Lord, I'm, I'm praying for myself included that first of all, God, we would all increase our emotional capacity that we would rebuild the walls of self-control, that the enemy's not going to control our emotions and people are not going to control our emotions, but God, through you, we are getting back in control. We're going to increase our emotional capacity today. Father, there are those in this room that are wounded and hurting. Maybe some some of us have been hurting for a long time, but God, you said today is the day. Now is the time. And once you've healed us, we are truly healed. So, Father, release your healing power right now. Old wounds. Father, the wounds of of divorce, heal them right now. The wounds of rejection, heal them right now. Father, taking away bitterness and anger and hatred, taking away a lack of trust, We're getting back in control because you are healing us today. I thank you for it. We call it done in the name of Jesus. Amen.